would you do me a favor and lift up your hands and close your eyes? And for 60 seconds, will you give Jesus some glory? Come on, for 60 seconds, give, give Jesus some glory. Give him praise. Give him glory. Now clap your hands to the Lord and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You know he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. You may, you may take your seat if you can. First of all, I want to give reverence to Almighty God his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I want to give honor to your pastor and to his precious wife. Amen to all of the ministers. Amen to all of you, the sons and daughters of the Father by virtue of repentance and faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen. Give your pastor and his precious wife a big hand clap. I also want to give honor to my wife, Deborah, for over 30 years. Deborah, please give everybody a wave. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And now I'm ready to start. Can I take my coat off because it's time to go to work? So in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul talks about how every one of us have received grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, when you're thinking about gifting, you have 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, which are nine and three groups of three, different kinds of languages, the ability to interpret di different kinds of languages, the gift of a word of prophecy. Everybody say, three gifts of utterance. Three gifts, of utterance. Three gifts, that, say three gifts that say something. Everybody say, the mouth of Christ. The mouth of Christ. Now, when you're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says, well, now concerning spiritual gifts, and if you read King James Version, Elizabethan English, the word gifts there is italicized, which means it's not in the original language. It is concerning spirituals or the charismata. Everybody say gifts of the spirit. Gifts of the spirit. Then he talks about three gifts of revelation, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of the word of wisdom, and the gift of discerning of spirits, which is the ability to see into the spirit world, hear in the spirit world, feel the spirit world, sometimes smell. And everybody say, three gifts of revelation. Three gifts, of revelation. Three gifts that reveal something. Reveal. Everybody say, the mind, the mind of Christ. Then there are three gifts of supernatural ability. Original language, gifts, plural, of healings, plural. The working of miracles. Look at somebody say, not the gift of miracles, but the gift of the working of miracles. Look at somebody and say, that means you got to know how to work it. <laughs> and the gift of, in the original language, a word of faith. Everybody say, three gifts of power. Gifts of Everybody say, the hand of Christ. Hand of Christ. Now, it's very interesting because it happens to be nine gifts of the Spirit.
And the reason is nine, and if you look at Galatians 5.22, it talks about nine fruit of the Spirit. And there's a reason for that, because nine is the number for fruitfulness. So when I look at the number one, I think about unity. I want to be one with God through Jesus Christ. Everybody say the law of first mention. So when you look at the number two, when you first see it, it has to do with separation. God separates the light from the darkness. But then you also look at witness because the word of God says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be what? Established. Everybody say, so two is a number for separation and for witness. So when you're looking at the number three, of course you're going to think about there are three that bear witness in heaven. Everybody say the Father, Father the, Word, the Word, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Look at somebody say, when you think about three, you think about, three. You think about the Trinity, you think about the, Trinity. You think about the Godhead, you think about God. and you think about Jesus Christ who was raised to life on the third day. But see, when I think about three, what I think about is conforming to the will of the Father. Now, first of all, is this being recorded? Very good, because I'm going to say so much. Look at somebody and say, your head ain't going to be able to take it all. Four is the number for ruling. Four corners of the earth. When, when uh, Ezekiel prophesies in Ezekiel 37, God says, call for the four winds. Come on, look, look at somebody and say, all right now. You got the four seasons. You have the four living beings underneath the throne, the lion representing the apostle, the eagle representing the prophet, the ox representing the evangelist, and the man representing the pastor, Ephesians 4.11, hyphenated teacher. Look at somebody say, <laughs> look at somebody say, the ministry is supposed to carry the throne of God. Five is the number for grace, but also work. Six is the number for man, image. That's why the Antichrist, or the one who is anti-anointing, or the one who's trying to take the place of Christ, is three and six, right? Claiming to be God and has the image of Satan. Are you hearing me? Look at somebody say, it's, it's self-worship. Seven is the number for complete. Look at somebody say, seven days in a week. Look at somebody say, you ought to rest one day. Look at somebody say, newborn boys were circumcised the eighth day. Look at somebody say, eight is the day of new beginnings. Nine, the number for fruitfulness. Nine, the gifts of the Spirit. Ten is the number for judgment, to be accepted or rejected. Twelve is the number for government on earth, 24 in heaven. But coming back now to Ephesians 4 and 11, where it says, God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And it says not that they're gifts of the Spirit, they're gifts of Christ. The Greek word there for gifts is doma. Everybody say doma. Everybody says the gift of a person. So now when I look at the pastoral ministry, the evangelist ministry, the ministry of the teacher, the prophet, and the apostle, there are certain things that I see. Look at somebody and say, don't let this brother fool you. This is a healing message. Look at somebody and say, he's a little different than anybody you've met before. So when I look at the ministry of the evangelist, the ministry of the evangelist, is all about calling people out of sin into right living. Look at somebody say, it's a calling ministry. Jesus, when he was acting as an evangelist, said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Repentance. Look at somebody say, the ministry of the evangelist. Look at somebody saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, you to do the work of an evangelist. Look at somebody say, you're supposed to call people out of sin into right living. Now look at somebody and say, you're going to help him preach today. The ministry of the evangelist, or when you do the work of an evangelist, as a disciple of Jesus, you call people out of sin 
into right living, out of darkness into God's marvelous light, out from underneath the power of Satan, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, the ministry of the evangelist is a ministry of calling. No, you can holler. I likes it. The ministry of the pastor is the caring of Jesus Christ. Boy, the pastor loves you when everybody just wants to send you to heaven or wherever else you might happen to be going. The, <laughs> you come see the pastor. The pastor talks to you about your problem. You repent. You deliver it for a week, for a month. The pastor finds out on Facebook you sinned again. The pastor sees you again, leads you back to repentance. Look at somebody say, the pastor be caring about you in spite of your sin. Look at somebody say, the ministry of the pastor is all about caring for you after you've answered the call of Jesus Christ. But now the ministry of the teacher, it's about coaching. You know, I'm from Missouri. I played football and basketball, and I didn't always have a tie or two at one time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look at somebody say, it sounds like a distant memory to me. <laughs> but what a coach does is the coach tells you what to do. Look at somebody say, you need some coaching. <laughs> then the coaching shows you what to do. Everybody say, the coach tells you what to do. The coach shows you what to do. Then look at somebody and say, then you do it. And then the coach gives you a critique. So you can do it better. Look at somebody and say, the ministry of the teacher is all about coaching you. So you can be better than you were before. But look, look at somebody and say, I hope he ain't getting ready to talk about you. But see, now, some people have problems with being coached. Mm. See, you want God's direction. But the only way you can get God's direction is you got to hear and submit to his correction. Look at somebody say coaching, caring, calling. Look at somebody say somewhere in there, heaven's going to send you a correction. Look at somebody say if you don't take the correction, you won't find your heavenly direction. Some folk, you're just too smart for your own good. Look at somebody say, quit being so smart. <laughs> See, you are right with pastor until he comes and says, you know what? This needs to be changed. Because you don't want to change. Look at somebody said, change, change. Ain't, change ain't change till you change. change. <laughs> Look at somebody said, and the purpose of correction, correction. is to bring change. change. Everybody say, correction, direction, direction, direction. to step into destiny. Step into so if you want to step into your God-ordained destiny, you're going to have to take correction and get direction from your correction. Look at somebody say, <laughs> the le listen, where you left God is where you left off taking your correction. Look at somebody say, you left God behind. Oh, I, 
I need God. No, you need correction. If you go back to your correction, you're going to find God. See, I, I, I've learned something. See, see, see I, I got saved 40 years ago. I've been preaching for 38. And, 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 and all this time, I, I, I've learned a thing or two. Here's what one of the things I've learned. Because I've been, you know, I, I've been a deacon. I've been a children's pastor. I've been a youth pastor. I've been an associate pastor. I've been a senior pastor. I'm a pastor of pastors. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I, 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 I done traveled. I, you know, I've been on TV. I done did. Look, but I, I, listen. I found something out about people. Okay, little brother. I found out that the people with selective hearing over time lose the ability to hear at all. Look at somebody and say, people with selective hearing lose the ability to hear. Because when you're selective in your hearing and you become deaf, you won't take correction to get your direction, and then you will miss destiny. Look at somebody and say, the preacher's trying to help you today. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Look at somebody say, he ain't even got through his introduction yet. Well, I don't like the way you looked at me when you said it. I don't like that tone of voice. Bad timing. Look at somebody say, you still need correction. Now, you know, I, I think I'll talk to you for a little while. You know what? Let me tell you something I found out in terms of calling, caring, coaching. There's three types of people you can't help. I'm trying to help you today. Three types of people you can't help. The first type of person you can't help is the person who denies there's a problem. The second kind of person you can't help is the person who says somebody else is the problem. And the third person you can't help is the one you're talking to, trying to help, that think you the problem. So then, so then, Ephesians 4, verse 11, talks about prophets. Everybody say, the counsel of God. Everybody say, evangelist, calling. Everybody say, pastor, caring. Everybody say, teacher, coaching. Everybody say, prophet, counsel. The prophet is going to give you the mind and the heart and the counsel of God. Now, what's interesting is after you've been called out of sin into right living into Jesus Christ, after you've been cared for uh, through the pastor, really it's Jesus the pastor caring for you. It's Jesus the evangelist who called you, right? It's, it's actually Jesus the teacher talking through the man or the woman of God, and it's really Jesus the prophet talking through whoever the speaker is. But the reason that you need to take correction to get your direction to step into destiny is because you have to receive the counsel of God because the ministry of the apostle is all about conquering the enemy and taking treasures out of darkness and taking territory for the kingdom of God. But see, you won't be able to do that very effectively if you won't take any correction. I look at somebody and say, he's almost through with his introduction. Now, I, I know you, uh, I, I saw your flyer when I came in. It's going to be a miracle meeting. Look at somebody and say, and it will be. But see, here's what I know. I know that if I give you a good word, and you get the word, and you think the word, speak the word, do the word, everybody say Joshua 1 and 8. Joshua 1 and 8, God says to Joshua, he says, my word which you have in writing you must say what I'm saying. You must meditate, chew, uh, 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 regurgitate, chew my word, think about my word, day and night. Then he says, my word needs to get in your eyes. You need to observe to do all this. Look at somebody say, think the word, speak the word, do what the word says. Then God says, then you will prosper. And in the Hebrew, prosper means to have a good journey in the will of the Father. And you'll have good success. I wonder if that means... That in sin, you can have bad success. Just a thought. Look at somebody say, if you want good success, 
Think the word. Speak the word. Do the word. Now, you got to understand, I travel all the United States, and I ain't crazy. I know that the minute I stood up to speak, you began your process of evaluating me. Look at somebody say, let's just get real with the real. Look at somebody saying, that's okay, too. So you continue your evaluation. I'll continue teaching you the word. But now let me talk to you while you're evaluating. Look at somebody said, don't let this man fool you. He has some education. <laughs> and I really do. I mean, I was who's who all American academically, and I didn't even have to study. After I got saved, God did something to my head. That means I could look on page 75, paragraph 3, take a picture, and a lot of the classes I took, I just wanted to take three tests, try to write as little papers as possible, and then go paragraph 3, and when I was in graduate school, I made straight A's until one day I decided, you know what, I don't really feel like taking the final. I went to the professor. I said, if I don't show up for the final, what kind of grade are you going to give me? He said, a B. I said, you won't see me. <laughs> Who cares in grad school if you got a B? All right. <laughs> this is somebody who almost failed the sixth grade. Look at somebody say, Jesus can make you smarter. But now coming back to... James 1, where it says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. The reference there in Greek has about 200,000 words, and it's very picturesque language. The picture there that's being used by James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the apostles, is this. A person attends a class, they listen to the teacher, and they audit the teacher. In other words, Tony, I'm giving you an A, a B, a C, a D. That was a terrible language. That was a terrible message, F. And if they give the, the teacher an A or a B, they go out with their friends to talk about what a good message that was. But they never get to doing it. But the Greek word for be a doer is the word poetes, from which we get the word poetry, which has to do with when you're hearing the word, everybody say poetes, everybody say creativity, everybody's supposed to say you, you're supposed to be thinking of creative ways. Or how to put the word you heard into practice in your life. Now, I've learned something. Look at somebody say, he's going to tell you a little bit what he learned in 38 years of preaching. I've learned that Jesus ministered to different types of people. Look at somebody say, he's really starting to get into the message now. Look at somebody say, he getting ready to locate you. Now, I need to warn you. Look at somebody say, listen, see, you know, Pastor G, you know, Pastor D didn't really do y'all right. He should have sent you a warning. <laughs> Look at somebody say, he should, have sent, he should have sent you a rating. Look at somebody say, rated M for mature. Because when Jesus ministered, the Bible says... That he was, he had a, a weekend meeting, a, 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 a campaign, and the people stayed with him the entire time for three days, heard the word, he ministered to people. And then the Bible says there were about 5,000 men there, so who knows how many women and children. And they was hungry. And so he makes them sit down, watch this now, in groups of 150 before he does a miracle. That means that organization comes before the miraculous. That means order comes before miracles. Look at somebody and say, if you need a miracle, you need to get yourself in order. Look at somebody and say, divine order. Last time I read Psalm 119, 133, it says, Lord, order my steps in the word. Look up to heaven and say, oh God, in your word, order my steps. And Lord, wherever my steps are out of order, I will take correction. I will take direction so you can put my steps in line with the word. Look at somebody say, you got to get into alignment. Look at somebody say, you need to be aligned with the throne of God. Now, notice that Jesus is ministering to 5,000. And we still got the 5,000 in the church today. You know what the 5,000 are there for? Everybody say the fishes and the loaves. Oh, okay, look at somebody say he's, 
Okay, now here's what I need to do. Look, I need to give you a warning. Everybody here, pretend you have a seatbelt. Put it on. Because let me tell you what I have learned in all my days. I've learned some folk in church, they are in the 5,000. They're just there for what Jesus can do for me. Look at somebody say, consumer Christians. Sometimes they SOS, Sunday only saints. It's all about what the Lord can do for me. Look at somebody say, I hope he ain't talking about you now. Look at somebody say, they start out as sinners, but in the 5,000, they become believers. But look at somebody say, the problem is, while it's okay to start there, it ain't all right to stay there. But then there's another number. Look at somebody say, he's kind of in the numbers today. <laughs> then in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 15, I, I urge you to read the whole chapter. But Paul says, there came a time when Jesus appeared to 500 brothers at once. Look at somebody say, you need to move from the 5,000 to the 500. These are the ones Jesus appeared to after he had been dead and he came back to life. The 500 are those who know the reality of the power of Jesus Christ in their personal life. And some of you, I promise you, that are here today, you are in the 500. I promise you. Let me show you. Say yes. Thank you very much. Remember, this is, okay, look. This is, look at somebody say, this is interactive Miracle Sunday. Look at somebody say, you got to interact with the preacher. Look at, say, look at somebody say, this is how they do it in the African-American church. <laughs> look at somebody say, you are Mexican, African-American today. <laughs> but see, in the 500, you know the resurrection power of Jesus. I'll prove it. How many of y'all used to drink, but don't drink no more because of the power of Jesus? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Give God a hand clap for because you know the resurrection power. Look around. That's resurrection power. You was drinking and dead in sin, but Jesus delivered you and brought you to life. See, you in the 500. Now you can have a sit down. Now let's get real with the real. Look at somebody say, get real with the real. Some of y'all used to get high. Some of y'all used to sell drugs. I ain't going to ask you to stand how many of y'all been in jail. How many of y'all used to gamble? How many of y'all used to be um, unofficial pharmacists? You had your own pharmaceutical company. But how many of you in those categories did drugs, sold drugs, been in jail, state prison or federal prison and you're now delivered stand to your feet come on and give him a praise I'm talking about the resurrection power so you know this power because if you've been alive anytime you know some people that aren't on earth anymore who did what you did. You can have a sit down. Resurrection power. See, some of y'all used to smoke cigarettes. But you don't smoke no more. Raise your hands. See, that's resurrection power. Look at somebody say, that's the 500. But see, Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24, he said, Stay in the city of Jerusalem. I want you to bless God and pray until you be clothed with power from heaven. But it's very interesting in Acts 1.14, Acts 1.13 and 14, you only got 120 there. Look at somebody say, he's starting to make me think now. Wait a minute. That's only a little over 25%. Well, look, 
if Jesus could only get a little over 25% of the believers to obey the word, you should have understanding. Twenty-five percent. That means everybody you preach to, they ain't gonna obey. You'll be doing good if you can get a little bit over twenty-five percent. And these are believers. Look at somebody say, "I hope he ain't talking about you now." Oh no, no, but see, I'm gonna make you see yourself in this message because. Acts 1, 13 and 14 says the number of the names was 120. They went to a prayer meeting. Have you ever noticed the numbers always go down for prayer meetings? These are the people that are willing to wait upon God and wait for God in prayer, day and night. Look at somebody and say, no wonder the numbers is going down. Look at somebody say, check your seatbelt. Uh-huh. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place, huh? praying and obeying. Look at somebody say, as a believer, you ought to be praying and obeying. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Everybody say, ruah. Everybody say, the Spirit of God. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there were divided tongues like as a fire that sat upon each one of them. And each one of them began to get filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. How many people do I have here today? Speak with tongues. Raise your hands. Oh, yes, some of y'all need to go to the upper room. Mm-hmm. You need the upper room. Because in Acts 1 and 8, Jesus said, you shall receive dynamite, dunamis, power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look at somebody say, you need to get into the 120. You need to be speaking in other languages. Look at somebody say, if you ain't speaking in other languages, through the Holy Ghost, you in the 500. You need to get to the 120. See, let me tell you something about guys like me. I'm going to preach in such a way as to locate you. I'm going to show you where you are, and I'm going to show you where you ain't. Look at somebody and say, I came for a miracle. Look at somebody and say, if you take some correction, you'll get one. Sometimes the miracle begins in your mind. Sometimes the miracle begins in your heart. Look at somebody say, sometimes the miracle begins in your life. Look at somebody say, sometimes the miracle hits your body after all of that. You ain't doing good if your body get healed but your mind ain't right. You are not doing well if your body gets healed but your heart ain't right. What good is that? You can walk out here, experience a drive-by, and end up in a lake of fire, healed body before, dead now. Look at somebody say, you need to get your heart right. Look at somebody say, Jesus told you to get baptized in the Spirit. Look at somebody say, you need the Holy Ghost. Now, I speak with tongues, I still need more of the Holy Ghost. Look at somebody say he's hopelessly addicted. Jesus and the Holy Ghost are my magnificent obsession. Oh, yeah. But now things start changing. Because in Luke 10, verse 1, and now I'm going to actually read that. Look at somebody say, that brother been racing. But now I'm going to actually read the scripture. Look at somebody say, he's going to pause to read the scripture. 
Luke 10. Because hmm. now when you get to Luke 10, look at somebody said, things start to change. Watch me now. Oh, I should probably say this parenthetically. Um, I have a, okay, every minister of the gospel has a philosophy of ministry whether they tell you or not. It's either explicit or implicit. Explicit if they tell you, implicit if they don't. But, in my view, it is wrong to build your life on supernatural ability. I'm talking about supernatural gifts. It's wrong to build your life and your ministry on supernatural manifestation. You build your life and your ministry on the revelation of the word. After the revelation of the word, if God wills, there's manifestation. 1 Corinthians 12 says, but the manifestation of the spirit, Greek word phaneros, it means lightning. So, you have to understand, believe me, I'm supernaturally gifted and graced by God. I can stand up here. I can literally stand up here and begin to say, you have this disease, come up here and God will heal you. I know because I've done it. But my pastor said, who's huh, many times more gifted than me, said you do not build your ministry on manifestation. Because manifestations do not bring people to maturity. Only the revelation of the word does. Look at somebody say, your application of the revelation of the word it is what brings you to maturity. That's why I am sacrificing supernatural manifestation to give you the revelation of the word. When more people get healed... If I didn't preach, mm-hmm. If I just took the time to minister to people, however, I would actually be doing you a disservice. Because if there's one thing you need, it's the revelation of the word. Oh, okay, so let me help you. If you, if you really pay attention to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul says, I'm just going to mention it in passing. Look at somebody said, this is a parenthetical paragraph. Where he says, because of the abundance of the revelations, there was a thorn in my flesh, a messenger angelos of Satan to deal me blow by blow. This ought to wake you up. He didn't say because of the abundance of the miracles. He wasn't in a, under an attack because of miracles. He was under an attack because of the abundance of the revelation. Look at somebody say, what the enemy's afraid of is not miracles. The enemy's afraid of the revelation of the word. That, that look, the 5,000 Saw miracles. But 4,500 of them didn't see the resurrected Jesus. <laughs> and only 120 of them made it to the upper room. Look at somebody say, he's fixing to really say something now. Look at somebody say, he's been, leading, he's been leading you along. Look at somebody say, he's been leading you along. Luke 10, verse 1. See, all these numbers have representations. Look at somebody say, he's not being literalist. He's, he's giving you symbols and examples. After these things, the Lord Jesus appointed another 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Wait a minute. Everybody say, the 5,000, the 500, the 120, and the 70. Wait a minute. He said them two by two. Everybody say witness. When they showed up, after they showed up, 
it says Jesus was coming. So if you are in the 70, after you show up somewhere, shortly thereafter, Jesus ought to be showing up. And let me show you something that's different about the 70 than the 5,000. Let me show you something different about the 70 that's different from the 500. Let me show you something different about the 70 that's different from the 120. Let me show you something. Verse 2, Jesus says, the harvest is what? But the labors are what? Pray that, wait a minute. So I start out in that upper room asking the Holy, asking God to give me the Holy Ghost to fill me. But then I move from me to the harvest. See, in the 5,000, it's all about what Jesus does for me. In the 500, it's all about the resurrection power of Jesus. In the 120, it's how Jesus fills me. But when I get to the 70, I move from being a believer to a disciple. Now, you need to hear me. Because it's no longer about me and mine. The diff listen to me, you need to hear this. The difference between, everybody say, speaking symbolically, is the 70s move from just being believers to being workers and followers and disciples. To be a disciple means you embrace the cross. Luke 9.23, Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever will come after me, let him, everybody say, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The difference between the 5,000 and the 500 and the 120 is the 70 are denying themselves, taking up a cross, and they're actually following Jesus. Look at somebody say, it's time for you to embrace the cross. Now, I'm watching your, uh, your advertisement, and it talks about what? The Lord of the So let me help you. Okay. When folk come in your church, you need to identify them. This person's in the 5,000. That's just where they are. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody starts there. But you can't delegate responsibility to somebody who's in the 5,000. They're going to disappoint you because they have not yet embraced the cross. You can only delegate people responsibility who are in the 70 because they're followers and workers. The other people sit in the pew. They may pray. Look at somebody say, and it's good to pray. But you can't delegate responsibility to them. They're going to disappoint you because they aren't ready for it yet because they haven't embraced the cross. Because the focus ain't the harvest. Now, I'm going to show it to you. Whatever you do now, do not raise your hand. Check your seatbelt. Okay. So, I'm going to prove it to you. Please do not raise your hand. Now, you have to understand me. I started this all out by saying you got to take your correction to get your direction, to step into destiny. So are you going to step into destiny? You're going to miss it. It all depends upon if you can take correction. Everyone that the Father loves, he does what? Corrects. He disciplines every son he receives. So here's my question to you. You say you love Jesus, but what I want to know is, who's in this church right now that you led to the Lord? How many of you led to the Lord in the past month? How many of you led to the Lord in the past three months? How many of you led to the Lord in the past six months? How many of you led to the Lord in the past year that you led or you brought here? And pastor was preaching, gave an altar call, and you said, hey, let's go up to receive the Lord. 
See, and if you haven't been doing that, you're not in the 70. But if you've been going out on the streets, if you've been witnessing, trying to get people to church, if you've been witnessing, trying to get people to come to the Lord, look at somebody and say, you in the 70. And see, if I have learned anything about VO, VO is all about developing the 70. Now, you're going to always have the 5,000. Everybody starts out there. Look at somebody say, he ain't criticizing you for being there. But look, look, look at me. Don't stay there. Look at somebody say, grow up in Jesus. Now, I know you see, so you're still tripping. You're going, I thought this was going to be a miracle service. Look at somebody say, if you'll turn your heart, it will be. Look what he says. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth labors into his, his harvest. <laughs> Go your ways. I send you. <laughs> Look at somebody say, if God's going to send anybody, let it be me. And he sends them out to do the works of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, the 70. Now, I'm not going to make you turn that, but you should write it down as a reference. Definitely you should get the CD, because if you listen to this message the second time, third time, you're going to hear something you didn't hear the first time. But in Matthew 10, Jesus calls the 12. Everybody say the 12 represent leadership. Everybody say the 12 represent government. Now, wait a minute. You got to be in the 5,000 first. You got to graduate to the 500. Then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost in the 120. Then you need to be doing something in the 70. Let me talk to you, bro. You know, the black just came out. I just said, bro. You know what I mean? It just came right on out. Sometimes I forget where I'm at. You know what I mean? I mean, I preach in black, white, Spanish churches, but sometimes I just forget. You know what I mean? Let me talk to you, bro. Never put anybody in a position of responsibility based upon potential. Make them show you submission to the word of God and to the vision and demonstrate loyalty to God, loyalty to you, loyalty to this church first. Don't do it on potential. You're going to get your heart hurt. They can say, oh, Pastor, I got a vision. I want to. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Complete the men's home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Finish the women's program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do I have permission to check your tithe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, some of y'all want a miracle, but you want to rob God. Stand up, stand up, bro. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. You are right now God. I'm some folks. Stick them up, God. This is a hold up. You're going to stick up God by not paying your, paying your tithes and offerings. You're going to get sick and say, give me a miracle. Look at somebody say, you have lost your mind. You need to find it. Say, oh, Lord, I gave you my heart. Well, where a man's treasure is, there's his heart. Your money represents your time. Your time represents your life. So, If you don't give God your money, you ain't giving him your time. And there's a part of your life that you have reserved for yourself. That isn't yet his. And you need to repent. Look at somebody say, he ain't mad. I'm trying to help you. Look, let me help you. You can't afford not to tithe. Let me go a step further. You can't afford a thought in your mind that the word of God and Jesus didn't give you. You can't afford it. Ooh, my money's short. And... And it's going to get shorter if you don't tithe. 
I done fall upon hard times. Look at somebody say, it's going to get harder if you don't tithe. All right, everybody say the 5,000. Everybody say the 500. The 120. The 70. The 12. See, so if you can't, see, now I'm going to show you something. The 5,000 come to faith. Okay? The 500, they don't just believe, they know. <laughs> the 120. They'll pray. The 70, they'll go out and preach. See, when you get in that 120, you get the anointing. Everybody say faith. faith. The anointing. The 12, they're in government. See, they've passed all the tests. They're in leadership. Everybody say leadership. leadership. Look at somebody say fellowship comes before leadership. And look, if they won't obey your orders, they disqualify themselves. Because if they won't obey you, they, ain't gonna, they are not obeying Jesus. And if you tell her something and she tells them and they don't listen to her, they ain't obeying Jesus. They ain't got a problem with you. They got a problem with Jesus. Look at somebody say, these two are one flesh. So you better honor him and her because you are commanded to do so. Oh, but he's making a mistake. But God put him in that position. I'm smarter than him. The problem is, is you prouder than him and you need to repent. It ain't about who is smarter. It's about who has God put in that position to be the leader. And submission ain't submission until you disagree. And then follow. Oh, okay, so you ain't going to obey the pastor, you, but you're going to come up here for healing. It ain't happening. Let me just save you and me time. Because the word says obey them to have the rule and leadership over you. So you in disobedience, so don't come up for healing until you repent. Oh, now you done figured out God done sent me. Now you find out what passage he loved me. Because I'm going to tell it to you like a T.I. tears. I don't care about your offering. Do you hear me? I don't care whether you give me a dime. Look. Let me help you understand something. The angel of the Lord is here right now recording my message. Putting it in the hall of records, which there is such a room in heaven. Because the books are open. The day will come when the books will be what? And I'm responsible for what I preach. So I can't preach to please you. I got to preach to please God. Paul said, if I please men, I would not be the servant, the doulos, the bond slave of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. Then you have the Mount's Transfiguration. Jesus only takes three disciples. Peter, James, and John. The glory cloud, the Father comes. Moses and Elijah come. The Word. Man, Hold on. Where'd you do praise and worship? I was in Subset. Was that Twin Cities? Fremont. Man, I, I, I like your stuff. Brother, you anointed it. Bless me. It was good for my soul. Glad to see you here today. It's good to see you. And bless you, little sister. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm back to my message. <laughs> I like his passion for God. Yeah, he got it. I'll leave that alone. So Moses is there representing the word. Elijah is there representing the spirit, the prophets. Jesus is there. And they see the glory. Wait a minute. 
the numbers will keep going down. <laughs> Everybody say 5,000. 5, Everybody say 500. 120. 70. Look at somebody say faith. Anointing. Everybody say the three. Experience the glory. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people that don't understand the glory, the kabod, the shekinah. You think it's the anointing, but it's not. It's not. But look at somebody say, but that's a different message. He ain't preaching that today. And then there's the one. Everybody say, that's where you're trying to get to. The one. John says, this is the disciple that leaned upon the chest of Jesus. Everybody say the one. Look at somebody say, it's all about the intimacy. But wait a minute. Let me see if I got this right. I start out in the 5,000 where Jesus does something for me. Everybody say salvation, healing, deliverance, provision, blessing, prosperity. Jesus is doing something for me. Everybody say faith. Then I moved to the 500. Well, now I don't move beyond faith to I know. But now I done gone to the upper room, the 120. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Wait a minute. Everybody say anointing. Day of Pentecost, anointing. The Holy Ghost is upon you. Wait a minute. I'll prove it. Luke 4, 18, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has a... Seventy, everybody say, follower of Jesus. Embracing the cross. Self-denial. Everybody say, following Jesus. Everybody say, being a worker. Look at somebody say, the focus is the harvest. Now watch this. I have moved from what Jesus has done for me to what Jesus now is doing in me and through me. Now after I get the anointing, I experience the glory. After I experience the glory, now I want to enter to intimacy. Look at somebody said, the goal of the Father is for you to come into intimacy with the Father with Jesus and the Holy Ghost. So I don't want to just stop at being the 5,000. I don't want to just stop at the 500. I don't want to just stop because I got filled with the Spirit and spoke with tongues and prayed. I don't want to stop just because I'm a follower and a worker, a servant. I don't want to stop because I'm in leadership and I got an anointing. I don't want to stop just because I have an experience with the glory. Oh, no. I want to be like John. I want to lay my head and hear his heartbeat. Everybody say, the heart of the Father is that you know his heart. Everybody say, the heart of Jesus is that your heart knows his Everybody say, the heart of the Holy Ghost is that your heart knows his. Everybody say, it's all about intimacy with the Lord God Almighty. Look at somebody say, that's what this whole thing is really about. Look at somebody say, it's about knowing God and making him known. Now, if I've learned anything else in my years of preaching... I've learned this. This message will do you no good unless you let the Holy Spirit write it upon your heart. And the only way the Holy Spirit is going to really write it on your heart is if you make that brother who, 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 who does CDs work. You go up to him at the service, you say, hey, 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 how much are CDs here? Five bucks. You say, hey, 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 let me write my name down for you. 
get me a CD quick. And you listen to this word over and over and over till it gets in your heart. And you begin to say, you know what, I am motivated. Because look at somebody said, the message is what motivates you. Look at somebody said, to stay motivated, you got to keep hearing the message. And so now, I got to get you to respond. Look at somebody said, he gave you the revelation. You got to respond if you're going to get results. If you keep hearing the revelation and keep responding, you'll get the promised results. Everybody say revelation, response, results. Okay, stand to your feet. Now I know this is a strange miracle message you ever heard, but look at somebody say, you're going to see the results of it in just a few minutes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's see how real you could be up in here.